This episode is brought to you by our friends at Mongoose. Mongoose is dedicated to being a bridge for higher education between schools and constituents. With a focus on conversational marketing software, Mongoose takes great pride in offering both the knowledge and the tools to help higher ed engage, motivate, and grow individuals and communities. They've got two exceptional products that help folks do just that. The first one is Cadence, higher education's premier texting platform. Mongoose Cadence allows staff to efficiently reach students in their preferred daily communication channel, which is texting. Whether sending a message to a single student or a large list, the platform facilitates timely, meaningful conversations that inspire action. Harmony. Mongoose Harmony is an intelligent chatbot that effortlessly guides visitors to the right content, captures lead information, and simultaneously updates any systems integrated with that chatbot, and routes visitors to the appropriate staff when a human is needed. Students and alumni visit a school's website because they want quick information. Conversational marketing through chatbots allows you to efficiently answer questions and keep constituents engaged at the peak of their interest in your institution. To learn more about Mongoose offerings, head on over to mongooseresearch.com forward slash Enrollify. And fun fact, you'll be able to engage with a chatbot on that page. Again, it's mongooseresearch.com forward slash Enrollify. Welcome to Fanatical Fridays, a weekly podcast where I sit down with Mickey Baines, a principal at Kennedy & Company, which is a higher education consulting firm, to discuss the traits, the strategies, and the tactics that separate the best enrollment management teams from the rest of the pack. I'm Zach Cruz, founder here at Enrollify. Enjoy the show. We did it. Summer session one is complete. Summer session two is about to commence. Mickey, how are you doing? You are fresh off another podcast recording, right? Who were you just talking to? I am. Uh, I was talking uh, with uh, my co-host, Jamie Gleason, uh, and Tim from Southern New Hampshire. Tim is an associate VP of campus admissions. Uh, and most folks, when we think Southern New Hampshire, we think this really large online university, which it is. Can't take anything away from that. But uh, Tim oversees admissions for their oh, as campus admissions, which is their on-campus um, um, programs. And so they have about 3,000 students hmm. um, for their on-campus programs. So we don't think of, you know, it's not a huge institution, but it's certainly not a very small institution either. So, um, but a uh, lot of good information there. A lot of, lots of change, as you can imagine, um, with Southern New Hampshire, uh, always happening as they continue to grow um both sides of the house. So yeah, really, really cool. And, and challenge for all Enrollify podcasts. Um, that episode that we just did for Sear Improv um, will set an Enrollify record for longest uh, episode. So uh, <laughs> good luck. Any other uh, good luck, any other episode challenging our link and doing it while keeping people on the edge of their seats with great information. Cause it was, it was loaded. That's why it's long. We, it was just, we kept, getting into more nuggets of information. So I, I suspect we'll, we'll see an extension of, of those conversations in time. Well, that's exciting. That's awesome. Yeah, it's funny. Um, there must be something in the water over at SNHU because we had, I interviewed Seth Odell, uh, who's now at Kanahoma, um, his education marketing agency that he started, I believe, just earlier this year. But he was at SNHE for a while and helped lead digital there. And do you, you, you know the bus tour? Do you remember the bus campaign that they yes. did? Yeah. So he, yes. I think they still do it. 
Oh, really? Okay. So apparently, I, I guess he he spearheaded that um, for the very first time years ago. Okay. So, anyways, yeah, maybe I, they don't. I thought they still did it. I think it's, it's brilliant. Maybe they do. I mean, uh, from a marketing perspective, yeah. Um, I think it's commitment from a student service perspective to take those diplomas out across the country. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. I mean, it, hey, from a marketing standpoint, I know it. You know, made I don't know front covers of higher ed marketing news at least. And, um, yes. and I think that, uh, it's certainly, uh, uh, you know, something that folks will remember for, for a long time. So anyways, I bring that up because that conversation also went on for a very, very long time because Seth was just full of so many amazing, you know, nuggets of, of wisdom and just great stories. And so anyways, there must be something in the water over at, uh, SNHU that inspires long conversations. Because they have so much going on and their uh, <laughs> efforts and goals uh, are large and you you can't get through them in a short amount of time. And that that would just be my quick answer to it. And, and I think it just resonates with uh, with the skill and the thought and vision that they have and, and things. So. Well, there you go. And the next time you're sort of in need for a, you know, need of a long conversation that uh, it's got lots of twists and turns and keeps you inspired along the way, just, you know, find somebody at SNHU and hop on a call and see where it takes you. I guess that's the takeaway here. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, well, right. We're in week two of our summer session. We are. We are. We are in week two. And today we are going to be talking about diversifying marketing channels, which is a topic that I've been thinking a lot about over really the last few months here and have a couple of frameworks, Mickey, that I, I want to throw out that I think one, I'd love your thoughts on, but two, I, I hope will be helpful to our listeners. And as I was prepping for today's conversation, I realized, you know, not everyone can or should diversify their marketing channels. And let me explain. I want to start by really, I guess, segmenting our listeners into three rough buckets that are purely based off of the amount of media spend that folks are allocated in any given academic year. Now, again, these ranges are meant to be very represented, representative um, and not you know, exact numbers by any means, just small, medium, and large, so to speak. And I think I want to start by saying, for folks who have... 20 to 30k of like media budget not you know money that you can spend on a on, on an ad partner um, for services but actual like raw media budget in all likelihood you don't really want to diversify right that's not enough cash to have good strategies across platforms and so what I thought would actually be most helpful is to start by if you've got no money or little to no money right for for media buys if you're sort of in that 20 to 30k range, per any given year of funds you can actually spend on social media marketing, on Google display, whatever it might be. I wanna flesh out a quick framework that I believe, um, based off of literally running uh, close to hundreds probably at this point of these sorts of campaigns for schools and seeing this consistent formula that really works in terms of maximizing budget and maximizing uh, ROI. So I want to flesh out that framework. And then I want to talk about folks in the middle tier who might have a little bit of cash, a little bit, little more cash. So in that 30 to 60 K ish sort of range in media spend per year, how should you think about diversifying your channels? Cause I think once you're at that level, diversification becomes important. And then if you, uh, you know, can spend hundreds of thousands of dollars on media buys in any given year, uh, 
we've got some ideas for how you can go about diversifying your your strategies even further. So does that sound like a rough, uh, a, a good sort of like rough game plan to you, Mickey? Yes, but boy, you certainly did not cue up that first statement very well. You know, maybe you shouldn't diversify. Well, that's <laughs> that's a big statement. You're throwing it out there. You just kind of slid it right in to cue it up. Um, I, I, slid I, it I in. definitely think so. I slid it in because um, the framework that I'm going to give folks in, in just a second here, anyone can do this regardless of your budget. But to be honest, I think that there's a lot of noise out there, right? And I, I'm not a big sort of omni-channel guy, to be honest, because I think the omni while well, while in theory right omni channel being you should be in multiple channels you should have great messaging and great uh um you know a, a great presence in each channel is incredibly important for a lot of schools if you don't have right enough money social media in particular is very much a pay to play game now right like so if you don't have media uh, a media budget that's solid you really should only focus on one or two things and do those things really well with the budget that you've got allotted. And I just feel like there's, you go to marketing conferences and I see, you know, we've heard people like come to us and they're like, hey, we have $20,000. We want to be on TikTok, Instagram, Facebook, and Google Display. And I sort of look at them. Oh, and they want to run a campaign for, you know, six months. And I, I sort of look at them and I say, that's a terrible idea, right? Like you, you do not have enough cash to be able to make any sort of, uh, meaningful difference. And at best, right, you'll get a little, you know, flash here and there across these networks, across these channels. But in terms of like real ROI that you can use and that you can attribute to inquiries or let alone apps, like, you know, no, no way, like no way, Jose, that just is not going to work. So for folks who are in that sort of range, that 20 to 30K range, here's the framework that I'd recommend you use uh, before you think about diversifying. And in fact, if you do this well, right, if you can implement this framework well, maybe this is uh, this gives you sort of the, the um, I don't know, the, the credibility that you need, the, uh, the data that you need to go to leadership and, and ask for more money so that you can implement a similar framework across other, other channels. So I call this framework social ad sequencing. Okay, so in you know higher ed, we know Comflows really well. We know you know communication sequencing really well. Everyone's got to post inquiry Comflow. Everyone's got to post out Comflow. Uh, and if you don't, right, you're probably you probably know that you need one. You probably are going to be working on one over over the summer here. So in a similar way, right, the purpose of a Comflow, if you think about it, right, is to nurture somebody to a particular action, whether that's to start an application, whether that's to come to a specific event, whether that's to book time with an admissions counselor, whatever it might be, you throw people into these you know, linear and or even smart, more dynamic marketing automation workflows with the intent of getting them to perform a particular action. And if you are, if your Comflow strategy is solid, you're typically not like badgering people you know, three, four times with apply, 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 right? Or whatever that decision stage offer is that you're trying to get them to complete. You're nurturing them, right? Hence email nurturing. And typically that looks like giving them an invitation to view a student story or, hey, you know, did you know that we just had our, you know, football stadium redone? Check out it, you know, check out photos of it here. Or, hey, this is what the student experience is actually like at University X, right? So there's storytelling that's like woven into these conflicts. And then, of course, there's always that apply now, right? Come to this event, start a chat with an admissions counselor, whatever it is, whatever it is. So in the same way, when it comes to 
social media advertising, regardless of the platform that you're going to be focused on, but specifically if you are running any sort of Facebook or Instagram campaigns, um, this is, it's incredibly important to take this sort of same methodology of like nurturing because if you are in that 20 to 30 K range, you don't have, to be honest with you, enough budget to do lots and lots of social media ad testing. So what you really actually need to do here is trust the platforms to make the best decisions about who to show your ads to, but right, trust them within a sp- within the context of a very specific strategy, which we're going to talk about right now. So again, I call this social ad sequencing. And this is what I believe to be the best strategy for folks who are, you know, in that 20 to 30k budget budgetary range, and they don't have tons and tons and tons of time, and or they're not, you know, Facebook or Instagram advertising experts. So this this uh, framework is really simple. It involves three steps, okay? Three different ad types. First and foremost is teaser content, okay? You need to design a campaign around teaser content. I'll explain what that means momentarily. Secondly, you want to design an ad around premium content promotion. And third, and finally, you want to invite somebody to an event or to complete some sort of decision stage offer that is not a call to apply, okay? So you should not be running Facebook or Instagram advertising advertisements with direct calls to apply. It just doesn't work, right? The, the cost per acquisition of that contact, of that name, is up the wazoo, right? There are way better, the actual nurturing to the point of application should happen in your conflicts. It should happen in the inbox. It should happen via the phone, via texting, right? It shouldn't actually happen uh, on social. That's just the antithesis of what social media, what people go to social media uh, to do. However, it's also a lie to think that social media can't generate qualified inquiries or qualified prospective students. So teaser content, premium content, and event offer. What does this look like? So first thing that you want to do is you need a 30-second brand video, a student or alumni testimonial video, even if it's like a simple sort of like fast facts, you know, uh, uh, of the field or of the industry, if you're marketing a specific program, whatever it is, you want a 15 to 45 second, you know, 30 second is sort of the sweet spot here of some sort of engaging dynamic video content. If you do not have any video content, right, you can throw together a quick little slideshow um, with dozens of, 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 of uh, web-based tools that let you do this, uh, browser-based tools. Throw in like six or seven different, uh, you know, good campus uh, shots or something like that, right? But the goal is to have something dynamic, something that's engaging, something that's teaser content. Then what you do is you launch a campaign around this video, okay? Spend no more than, you know, two, $2,500, $3,000 on this campaign. Then what you want to do, okay, is while that campaign's running, you want to get your premium content in order. Premium, what is a premium content, right? Premium content is something, right? The most general categories, it's something that a, a prospect would be willing to give some information about themselves in exchange for, right? So think about this as a career outcomes guide or uh, a jobs outlook Um piece in a particular industry or even as something as simple as like a scholarship guide, right? A scholarship guide for students in Wisconsin or something like that if you're, you know, marketing a school in Wisconsin. So while that video ad is running, that teaser content ad is running, you want to get your premium content in order. And then what you want to do is you want to design a campaign, 
okay, that sends folks to this landing page to download this premium content offer. It could even be a college, you know, you know, financing quiz, a scholarship match tool. It could be a program guide, right? Just something that's not an app application inv invitation and something that is not as explicitly like, you know, uh, 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 all about sort of your program or your brand, your school, and why it's the best thing since sliced bread. You generally want this to be something at that consideration stage. So branded, uh, you know, with with um, with your school, your program, but also still valuable even if uh, a prospect, um, you know, decides not to not to attend your institution. So after that teaser content ad completes, okay, you want to run that for no more than like two weeks up front, okay. Then what you want to do is you want to take everybody that watched 50% or more of that video, okay? So if it's a 30-second video, 15 seconds or more, and then you want to enroll that audience. And again, Facebook, you can do this on Facebook, you can do this on Instagram because Instagram or because Facebook owns Instagram, right? Then you want to enroll those people, those people that watch 15 seconds or more into a premium, into the uh, ad group for premium content promotion. Then what this ad is going to do is it's going to run for a couple of weeks and it's going to send people, um, it's going to, you know, uh, target the same people that watch 15 seconds or more of your video and encourage them to come to a landing page, convert on this piece of content, right? Or engage with your scholarship match tool, whatever it is. Then from there, and you'll generate, you know, Several people coming in, in uh, through that through that campaign, you'll generate new contacts. They'll be dumped into your comm flows, etc. Then from there, what you want to do is you want to take everybody right who visited that landing page where that premium content was hosted, even if they didn't convert on that page, and you want to run a final ad to those people. And you want this ad to be a decision stage offer, something like come to this event, come to, we're having an open house, come to this admissions, uh, you know, webinar, whatever it might be, invite them to some sort of event or invite them to start a conversation with an admissions counselor and or with a perspective or with a current student, whatever it might be. Don't invite them to apply, but invite them to some other sort of like decision stage-esque uh, offer. Now, why don't you invite them to apply? So the challenging thing with applying from social media is that based off of all the campaigns that we've seen, all the campaigns that we've run, very, 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 very few people, the cost per acquisition of a new contact with an apply specific ad from social is ridiculous. So there are better ways to maximize. So the data suggests that if you can nurture them, if you can get them in the door, right, and get them into your CRM and then nurture them with content, right? your cost per acquisition, your cost per applicant, if you will, that was originally sourced from social is literally, you know, 10x uh, less than it would be if you were to go out with a with a call to apply. And that's just because, right, think about it, right? College application process is typically, most, most students understand that it's a process, right? Like there is a lot of friction involved in creating your application account, going in and filling out your, you know, filling out your, um, starting your application and doing that from your mobile phone, unfortunately, is is still sort of cumbersome for, for many institutions, for many prospects. So the data just suggests that if you can get them in the door with some sort of decision stage offer outside of an application offer, an application invite, you'll you'll end up yielding way, way, way better returns than if you go out with a direct call to apply. So that is the framework, okay? So video, or some sort of other dynamic ad, 30 to, you know, 
seconds is sort of the the magic threshold, but it, it could even be up to a minute, right? And you want to take you want to take fifty percent of the people, or excuse me, you want to take everybody that watched fifty percent or more of that video, enroll them in that next campaign, right? And then take everyone who ends up clicking through to that landing page to download that event offer, excuse me, the premium content offer, whatever that ebook is, whatever that tool is, right? And then finally, you want to take all of those people and invite them to via a lead ad or, you know, another traffic ad to sign up for your event, to start a conversation with your admissions counselor, et cetera. So why this works, especially if you have a budget that's smaller is what you're doing is you're giving Facebook's algorithms the permission to use its intelligence to target users based off of what they know to be true about who's actually doing the thing, who's actually watching, who's actually clicking, right? If you were to just try to build out custom audiences yourself for each of these stages of like the, you know, the funnel, if you will, um, you're, you, you, the reality is you're just not going to be able to reach that number of people um, in the way that that you really need to be and or you're creating new audiences every time and it's the first time those audiences are engaging with this content. What's really cool about this model is by the time you've invited them to take that decision stage action, like sign up for an event or chat with an admissions counselor, they've seen that that particular audience has seen your ad or have seen content about your institution two other times. Like this is the third time they're seeing it, right? Hence the, you know, nurturing the social ad sequencing approach here. So I'll pause there for a second. Mickey, uh, does that make sense? Zach, I think you've really you're really doing a fantastic job. I mean, this is this is speed. This is like a summer session because we're going through it quickly. Yes, it's quick. Uh, but I think you're doing a fantastic job really laying out the exact how-to. Um, I'm a little curious, and I, I don't know that we have the time to, to hit on it, but you know, from a technological standpoint, what is it if I um, am starting a new? What, are there, is there any type of technology I need or not to, so, to do this? So the only technology you're going to need is the ability to have a landing page right, for that event, uh, or whatever you want to, whatever offer you want to send folks to, a uh, landing page for that premium content offer, um, or whatever you know tool you wanna you wanna send folks to, and then ideally, right, you want that landing page to have a form that syncs up with your Comflow, right? So whether you build your Comflows in Slate or Target X or Element four fifty one or whatever it might be. Ideally, you want people immediately after they've converted on that content offer to be enrolled in your your email sequences, right? So that, you know, that nurturing can continue to happen. But that's it, right? And and most of you listening will ha at least have the ability to whip up a landing page, right? Um, but in terms of the, the other technology needed to pull this off, you really just need to be using Facebook's uh, ad platform, right? Which again, is free for everybody to use. Um, so, you know, and if you don't, if you've never used Facebook ads platform and you need some help there, like Enrollify's got a lot of resources where we show folks how to how to use the platform well. So you could just head on over to Enrollify.org and find a video uh, training or a, a guide or an any course that'll that'll help you do that. So that's that first. <clears throat> oh, go ahead. I was just saying, perfect. Yep. Good. Um, that's that first section, right? For folks who don't have a lot of budget. Now, once you have a little bit more cash, right? If you're in that 30 to 60 K range, again, roughly guys, that's when you really do need to move 
um, beyond just Facebook and Instagram ad sequencing, which is that framework that we just discussed, right? And this is where I think it gets interesting. I think YouTube advertising, so we just did this really interesting survey for for an, an institution in California, and we were serving, serving their prospective students. And it was 2,600 uh, folks responded to the survey. These were, and 90% of them were under the age of 17. And 88% of these folks said that they use YouTube on a weekly basis. So they are using YouTube at a minimum on a weekly basis to consume content. So YouTube advertising is a little bit more expensive than Facebook and Instagram advertising, right? Hence why it's in category two here. But you still wanna do that Facebook and Instagram ad sequencing, but now you wanna incorporate some YouTube advertising. And because of just what this costs, Generally speaking, I think if you're in that range, you want to focus on two sort of YouTube advertising sprints, ad sprints in any given uh, academic year. Maybe one in the fall, maybe one in the spring. You guys know, you know, uh, what times would would be more appropriate for for your uh, institution, depending on sort of like when your app deadlines are, or if you're just in marketing and you're just worried about sort of like a fall open house. Maybe you're maybe you want to launch something in like the late summer, leading up into that fall open house, whatever it might be. But you want to find two times per year where you're really doubling down on your YouTube advertising strategy. And we've got actually a whole, we just, we have a whole um, YouTube advertising series that Enrollify just did. So I'm not gonna break down all these frameworks uh, right now, but again, on the, on the website, you can figure out like, oh, what are the ad types on YouTube uh, that you should be taking advantage of, et cetera. Um, but for the purposes of today's conversation, you just, you, you, if you have 30 to 60K, you need to be spending something on YouTube advertising if you are going after undergraduate uh, students, right? At the graduate level, folks kind of in that 25 to 40 sort of range uh, in terms of age, uh, their their use of YouTube uh, is more at the 40 to 50% sort of um, range in terms of, a, you know, weekly active usage, which is still a fair amount, but pales in comparison to, you know, Facebook and Instagram and Twitter. So beyond social though, and really, right, this session is about diversifying your marketing channels. And I think the temptation that we fall into a lot in higher ed is we think marketing channels and we think social media and maybe like Google search and display, right? And those are, you know, really important channels to be in. However, there's this rising, um, what I would just call sort of like these, these rising channels that, um, they're really even not rising because they've been around for a while, but they're getting way more popular as be, simply because the ROI, the ability to sort of like track the performance of these metrics, uh, excuse me, of these channels is getting better and better and better with new tech. And these channels are newsletters, podcasts, and influencer marketing. So if you're at that 30 to 60K threshold, you need to be spending something on the in these areas, right? So how do you go about doing that, right? Because one of the questions we get from folks a lot is like, yes, okay, I've heard mixed things about influencer marketing. I've heard mixed things about podcast advertising and newsletter advertising, right? Where do I start? So there's an awesome tool that Rand Fishkin, who is like an SEO god, he was from, he he started Moz years ago, which many of you might be familiar with. He's now left Moz and he has a new company called SparkToro. And what SparkToro does, and again, you can, you can do, I think it's like 20 searches a month for free. So you don't even need to pay in order to get some of these insights. SparkToro helps you understand where your audience lives on the internet, right? It helps you understand what content they listen to, 
what um pe- you know what which people they follow on Twitter, which Twitch streamers they might have an affinity for, etc. So what you want to do when it comes to these channels is you want to start your search with SparkToro. Understand, right? Go talk to your current prospects. Uh, go to go talk to your current students, right? And say, hey, what are, who who do you listen to? Like who do you follow? Which YouTubers, right, do you regularly tune into? What are the YouTube channels that you pay most attention to? They'll tell you, right? Again, they're spending, 88% of them are spending, you know, at least time every week on these platforms, on, on YouTube in particular, right? So they, they are following certain people. Then what you do is you take those people and you say, great. You plug them into SparkToro and you, and you see, okay, wow, these people, right, they've got hundreds of millions of followers, like doing a campaign with them. Uh, might not make the most sense from a budgetary sp- standpoint. They also might be a an individual that um, you know maybe their content doesn't totally align with like your school's brand. No worries. What SparkToro allows you to do is SparkToro allows you to see people that are in the same vein as them, but they're not as popular yet, right? Which means running a campaign with them or doing any sort of partnership with them, it's going to cost you a lot less, but it's it, it's going to be aligned, again, with uh, with content that your core constituent audience pays attention to, the content that, that they really love. So when it comes to diversifying your channels, um, and you're at that 30 to 60K range, right, you really need to start doing podcast influencer marketing and newsletter marketing. And again, it's going to start small here, guys. Like don't you don't need to go crazy, but you should be spending, you know, 5 to $10,000 of your budget testing out these sorts of things. And again, similar to sort of the the YouTube advertising of working working in sprints, I think you should work in sprints here too. Um, I also think that there's an opportunity to not just be, uh, not just focus on niche newsletters. By the way, so Morning Brew, right? Which uh, just Business Insider bought Morning Brew. I don't know, a few months ago, and Morning Brew, uh, they they tout that 70% of their um, of their audience are millennials and Gen Z, and I believe 50% of Morning Brew's newsletter audience. I'm not a hundred percent on this, but I believe it's it's at least 50%, if not over 50%. Are Gen Z. So this idea that like new, you know, Gen Z doesn't read newsletters or doesn't subscribe to newsletters is just totally false, right? Same thing is true for for the hustle. So you don't even have to go super niche with your newsletters. Like you don't need to go and find like what are the you know where where do you prospective engineering students you know consume content? I think that that's one approach that would make a lot of sense. And you can again you can find those insights via SparkToro, which is amazing. Or you could consolidate your budget and say, you know what, I want to do one big campaign with a newsletter like a Morning Brew, right? I want to drop $7,000 on a big blast campaign with Morning Brew. And again, the purpose of this campaign is to promote some sort of resource or some sort of scholarship tool or scholarship guide, etc. The amount of like brand affinity that you will get simply by being associated with a brand like a morning brew uh is is worth that uh you know is worth 10x that really so but but the other thing when it comes to newsletter podcasts and influencer marketing strategies that i think is really important is you can run a couple of campaigns with these folks and what's really cool about this is these these people they write the ad copy for you right like 99% of them do and what's neat is you can understand, and in fact, we've, when we've worked with clients on a, a couple of these campaigns, we've said, look, you're paying this now, right? You're, it's a $7,000 investment, whatever it is, for this blast. Um, 
But what you're going to do is they're going to write ad copy for you and you're going to be able to learn, right? Like what are the tone, the style, like the quippiness that Morning Brew uses and how can I implement that in my, my own context, especially if the campaign is successful, right? Like you can take those learnings and incorporate that into your own social ad strategy, um, you know, once the, once the campaign is complete. So that's that middle category. And last but certainly not least, right, if you've got over 100K, right, per year in pure media spend, you need to be doing Facebook and Instagram ad sequencing. You need to be doing YouTube advertising. You need to be testing and dabbling in newsletter, podcast, and influencer marketing. And then also you really need to take TikTok seriously. So I know that there's still sort of like, uh, I think TikTok has, from a, from a uh, you know, public perspective, has worked out some of its issues um and certain folks are still sort of skeptical about the platform and like it's it's roi but more and more and more and more and more and more folks are using the platform and i i I really do believe that this is one that's here to stay um so when it comes to tiktok tiktok advertising though it's really important that like right now this is mostly like pure brand awareness so if you're in enrollment management if you're focused on if you're you know held accountable to butts and seats at the end of the day this is something that you definitely want your Marcom team to handle, but right, I think that there's a lot of wisdom in advising them, hey, you know what, we've identified that our prospects do in fact uh, use TikTok, which newsflash, if you're going after any 17-year-old, uh, 90% of them are on TikTok, so they you know, use TikTok. Um, and helping them map out a few different strategies, a few different campaign approaches. So here are three quick ideas for you um, that Again, once you've kind of crossed that 100K in media spend per year, you have to be doing things like this. So TikTok advertising, uh, you know, first sort of campaign here is to really design a whole like digital brand around your mascot. So TikTok, right, is lots of short videos, right? Dynamic content, funny, silly, goofy stuff, right? But these videos get insane reach and insane views and TikTok today is what like Facebook was back in 2013 2014 in terms of organic reach so you can develop a awesome video and it can go viral without you know spending a dollar um you cannot do that on Facebook or Instagram today um but this idea for the first campaign and and this is really sort of like a a year-long campaign is you want to you want to take your school's mascot whatever it is and you want to build sort of this cool digital persona around that mascot and you know you want to help you want to do this by identifying maybe three to five students to become like trend ambassadors and their goal is to help you strategize content right like what should this mascot be doing what is the latest like dance move that people are learning um and, and you know what what are what's sort of like the the latest like viral song that folks are playing and how do we design something around that right and then you want to publish it about two times a week path b is uh campaign b is establish a tiktok influencer cohort at your university okay so what does this mean well i think that there is there odds are that there are people at your school right now that have hundreds of thousands of followers at least tens of thousands of followers okay guaranteed what i would do is i would find a few of them i would literally like send out an email uh you know work with uh, uh academic success student success on this send out an email and say hey we're we want to build a TikTok influencer cohort. And I guarantee this will like, this will break your inbox. Um, but then what I would do is I would, I would uh, have folks go through a quick little application process. And then I would pay creators per 1000 impressions that they that they generate, right? 
for content that is related to, to your brand and your school. I would post four to five times a week. And this this total cost would be about 10 to 15K, you know, per semester. Again, you're not actually paying TikTok anything. You're just paying this influencer cohort that you that you build at your school. Five, 10 people max, right? Super, super easy stuff. You you have somebody from your team, somebody from Marcom team, whatever it might be, help sort of oversee this. But it's really important to give these creators sort of like autonomy um, once you've sort of established, you know, nice brand guidelines. And then finally, you can partner with a celebrity creator for a branded hashtag challenge. And this is if you're feeling really fancy and have hundreds of thousands of dollars to blow. But, um, you know, this what what this hashtag challenge is, is these are designed to go viral and help, you know, people you create a ton of content using a particular hashtag that is relevant to your brand or your institution. Um, and then I would run that campaign, a campaign like that, maybe one or two times a year. So. That's pretty much all I have, guys. That was a that was a lot. I, I would just end by saying again, my hope is that regardless if you've got ten thousand dollars, two thousand dollars, or you know five hundred thousand dollars to spend, that there's something that we chatted about today that you can think on this summer and uh, put together some sort of plan, some sort of strategy that will be helpful as you as you kick off sort of a a new school year. And again, not every you don't need to be in every channel, but once you cross that 30k threshold you really do need to be diversifying and the ROI that folks are seeing from things like niche newsletter advertising niche podcast advertising right you're not going to get sort of the the quantity of traffic right that you would get from a Facebook campaign or an Instagram campaign or even a YouTube advertising campaign but the quality of that traffic the quality of the leads that come from those campaigns are significantly greater than the quality that are coming from an Instagram ad campaign, for instance. So hopefully this was helpful. Uh, Mickey, any any quick kind of final questions for me? No, I, no, I don't. Uh, so I think you, your closing comments uh, were were critical because you know, I you know if I'm an enrollment manager and enrollment marketer, it doesn't matter what my budget is. You just shared enough to give me something new something to uh, work towards. And, and even if it's not really fully diversifying, it is adding uh, a new and fresher and more relevant way to connect and engage with this um, generation of students. And I, and I think that's, that's key. And I think of this a lot as, as I get older and further removed, um, you know, what is it I need to know? And this is it. This is what I need to know, what I need to be thinking about. I think you had several great ideas, inexpensive ones um, in terms of cash, not necessarily in terms of time. Yeah. Uh, and yeah. and Alec, I think we can all can acknowledge that, but um, th- these are tactics you can roll out. You just need to commit to them, uh, buy into it, commit to it, uh, put some time into it, and and you can roll these out. Yeah, and and to your last point there, Mickey, um, I think so. I was talking to a director of admission the other day, and um, they just made this offhand comment about how they have like a student worker, or they've got like an intern or something that is going to be um, helping out this summer. And one of the things that this person was complaining about was like, "Oh gosh, like you know, I love interns and and whatnot, and, and student workers are great, but like, I just I feel like it's another thing for me to do. I have to now manage them and manage their time." I think, right, like taking even just like this TikTok influencer cohort idea, find ways to tell these people, hey, I've got this project for you. Like, 
we need to increase our reach on social and we don't have a lot of money. Um, we have this idea of maybe doing this TikTok influencer cohort thing. Like if you had to design a TikTok strategy for our school, what would you do? And literally like give them projects like that, that are, again, assuming that you really don't have, you know, quote unquote billable work for them to do. Um, but like, those are the sorts of things that I feel like any summer intern, any student worker that you're doing, if you if you just don't, if you have a lack of ideas of just how to use that time, leverage these people, leverage these students in this particular way. Say, hey, come up with a couple of ideas of how you would reach students like you, right? And and just see what they come up with, right? I guarantee, right, you you might be inspired by something that they say, and that might actually influence how you approach this year's you know uh, digital recruitment plan. Take the student for a walk during your lunch. If you take walks during lunch, if you go hang out somewhere over lunch um, to, to grab a bite to eat for 15, 20 minutes, grab the student, have them join you, have that conversation, brainstorm, build out your plan. It's you, you have students around you. You can use them as a resource to help teach you. Uh, and, you know, if you don't have the time to manage the group, if you put in the right time now in terms of planning, building out the vision, the expectations, and, and have that documented clearly, and you're sharing that with them uh, from the get-go, you're giving them clear expectations, clear directions for them to start. It requires less time than when you're managing it. Doesn't remove the management. Don't want to uh, insinuate that. I, I definitely understand that. But it's, you know, if you give the, the right start to the work, um, they, it'll start off in the direction you already want it to, and it will take less time. Amen to that. Well, sir, thank you for your time as always. This is awesome, Zach. Uh, I, I've I've been I took some notes uh, while you were giving your lecture um, this week. So, um, looking forward to um, continuing a little bit next week. Um, next week we're going to talk a little bit about working the pipeline, right? And uh, I'll be leading that, but I'll be talking. I'll be using a lot of these as examples of of how to continue the recruitment process from leads that you can generate through some of these efforts, as well as the traditional efforts here already employing. Love it. Yep. And I think that that's a really important conversation to have because again, a lot of the times if folks are coming in off of an Instagram or TikTok campaign, like they might not be ready for your, you know, the first email in your post inquiry sort of conflow. So yeah, love it. Like it's really, really important to think about the uh, managing pipeline a little bit differently depending on where people are coming from. So excited for that one, Mickey. Um, have a great day, everybody, and a great week. And we'll be back soon. Hey friends, we hope you enjoyed this week's episode of Fanatical Fridays with Mickey Baines. If you have an idea for a topic you think we should cover on this show or riff on, please feel free to reach out directly to me at Zach, that's Z-A-C-H, at enrollify.org, um, and I will bring it up with Mickey, and we will chat about it on an upcoming episode. So again, that's Zach, Z-A-C-H, at enrollify.org, and reach out if you have questions, comments, thoughts, ideas for things that we should be talking about. All right, guys, take care, and we'll see you next week.